0: You're listening to The Holy Shift Podcast. I'm Scott Neal, your host. This podcast is designed to help change how we see everything. On this episode, I'm joined by Preston Waller. Preston is on staff at Forest Park Church as our student pastor. Preston is completing his Master of Divinity degree at Liberty University. He has one more class to complete. He's married to Carla Beth Waller who is also on staff at Forest Park as our worship pastor. Today I ask him to join me in a discussion about a recent series we completed at Forest Park called How to Kill the Church. It was a two-part series where we explored two poisons slowly hurting the church at large. At the beginning of the discussion, I give a quick overview of where we've been in the series, kind of what we talked about, and then where we're going, and then we get into the heart and try to flush it out. So let's get into it with Preston Waller. Hey, welcome Preston. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Glad you are here. I asked Preston to sit down with me and talk today because we recently wrapped up a two-part series called "How to Kill the Church," and it was encouraging and uplifting. It's about to as encouraging
1: of a as message as you can get. <laughs> yes, exactly. Leave there with a lot of hope. Yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta get into the thick of things and sort stuff out. But our, our purpose in the series was to examine a couple of attitudes or poisons, if you will, that are hurting local churches. Um, and, These know, are just two. Well yeah, <laughs> we, just two. Of them. We could have taken the series you know a, a couple of weeks, but I, I don't know if we could have handled how to kill the church part 12, you know <laughs> that would have been discouraging. But here's the kind of the, the premise or the foundation of the series. We know Jesus promised in Matthew 16 to build the church and all of hell he said, cannot destroy it. So we know the church, the global church, will not fail. Yep. But local churches often do fail, or at least mm. they become ineffective. Right. We know there's been seasons of revivals, if you study church yep. history, wonderful seasons of growth and people turning their hearts and minds uh, toward God, but there's also been long seasons of stagnation within local churches. Mm. There have been times when people in mass have turned uh, you know, their hearts, their families, sometimes almost entire cities mm. uh, to God. And then there's been times when it almost seems like an entire generation just turns away from God. And within our culture, within the Western culture, in the USA and other prosperous nations like us, it seems as if the church's influence overall is waning, declining, fading. I know you as a student pastor um, it's not like students are just running to the church today. <laughs> no, know?
1: not at all. <laughs> no.
0: So there's a lot of things in our society that's you know slowing people, impeding people, right. um, discouraging people from turning mm-hmm. uh, towards spiritual things or at least to the church. Yeah. We've lost a lot of ground. And yeah. in part one, we said. That there are a lot of reasons for this, and this, these are certainly not all the reasons. But a few reasons we mentioned in in the message was the aggressive attacks by new atheists. That's kind of a the, you know I yeah. put that in quotations. Uh, referred to as new atheists, these are, these are professors and authors and internet gurus attempting to gut people's faith. And I've I've come across many of them. I've read some of the material. I've listened mm-hmm. to some of their uh, their speeches. Uh, these are folks who are very passionate. Yeah. That there is no God, mm-hmm. and they want to do everything they can to discourage people from uh, their faith and try to get them to turn away right. from from God. And it's all over the internet, you know. It's mm-hmm. all over social media. You can yeah. find books about it. So a lot of our students, a lot of our mm-hmm. younger people, have bought into um, that philosophy and have right. said, "Ah, well, there is no God," so they have turned away. It's mm-hmm. just it's one of the things that has discouraged people from from church and from turning to God today. Yeah. Another one is the, the, the popularizing of what is called deconstruction. Yeah. Uh, that's you know, encouraging people to question everything, doubt everything, pick mm-hmm. apart everything, refuse to commit to anything, do everything we can to throw off all things religious. It seems like I I come across that word a lot. I'm yeah. deconstructing in my faith. You know, I'm I was a Christian but I no longer am a Christian. And mm-hmm. you know, we're certainly not saying you can't ask questions. I think that's good. In fact I would imagine any devout Christian has gone through times where they have seriously questioned. And if they haven't, they probably ought to (laughs) seriously (laughs) question what what they believe and and why they believe it. Then we talked about, just briefly, the scandals. And if you paid attention to news or anything, you you know there's been a lot of scandals within the church. Pastors, priests, um, you know... um, people Christian you know in schools and Christian universities and all this kind of stuff fairs sexual abuse financial uh, you know uh, cheating the financial um, part of the school or the church by taking contributions and all those kind of things and then the the welding of Christianity to nationalism. Yeah. That's the, the, the fusing of Jesus and <laughs> in the America. USA. Yeah. And we're not gonna get into that today. Lord but that's people. been another another issue. Yeah. And then we we just kind of mentioned those four. And then we really hung on the last one, because mm-hmm. this is the one that, that bothers me and the one that I want to take up and discuss with you today. And and that's the the fifth one that I mentioned in, in the message. And that is a departure from the proper function and form of the church. Now, that's a fancy way of basically saying (laughs) a movement away from what the church actually is, the nature of the church, and embracing what we wanted the church to become. Mm -hmm. And I've been guilty of this, and Mm -hmm. I've been on a a journey, I I guess you could say, of... a repentance yeah. and, and kind of changing, because I think I fell into some of that. Mm-hmm. And, and we've wanted to make the church into something it wasn't, and it greatly backfired. Yeah. And in week one, part one, we said that if you want to kill the church, here's one way of doing it. Fill it full of consumers. Yep. People who show up and consume mm-hmm. what is offered and leave a tip on the way out Mm. that that's what I meant by a movement away from what the church is oh yeah the church is not supposed to be a consumeristic place a place where we come and just consume what is offered as I said it was a really encouraging
1: message so (laughs) yeah right (laughs) you just walk away yeah yeah. (laughs) so
0: I you know I ask I ask you to sit down with me because I you know (laughs) a lot of the people listening to the podcast no doubt have heard the message Hopefully. Or if they have it, they'll go and, yeah. and listen to it afterwards, and that, that's fine. But I wanted to unpack this with you.
1: Yeah,
0: um, you are a student right now. It's in seminary, finishing or, up your master of divinity. Two more weeks. Two more weeks. that's <laughs> two more Right. Weeks. <laughs> so you're immersed into you know a lot of reading and studying and looking at culture, and you're also an active student pastor.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, speaking to our students, and you also preach to the adults here at, at Forest Park as well. Yeah. So. I, I want to talk about the first poison, and that is consumerism, and kind of get your, your thoughts on this. So here's my question to you. How how do you think we as a church arrived at a place of so much consumerism within our local churches? What are your thoughts
1: on that? Right. So I, I think it's a twofold answer when I think about um, you know how we got to consumeristic culture. I think, one, the it's a major overall generic answer, but I'll give you a specific one, too. The generic answer really is I feel like uh, generationally and just historically, we've moved from a modernistic culture to a postmodernistic culture, which has its pluses and its downs. And of course, in a postmodernistic culture, everything's subjective to the individual. You know, truth is subjective to the individual, your taste is subjective to the individual, what's um, right or wrong, morals are subjective to the individual. Mm. And I think when we start to get in a Western culture, a Western postmodern culture that believes and holds true to these things, you know, you're going to get the church is supposed to be my way or or it's wrong. Hmm. And so I think we get to a place in in history where we're at now, where the pendulum, pendulum has now shifted to the other end of the spectrum where everything's subjective, everything's the way I want it to be. My world is based on how I want it to be. Morals are how I want it to be. My life is how I want it to be. My job should be how I want it to be. So the church should be how I want it to be. So we get into a place where we just naturally infuse the church into our everyday life of it should be what I want it to be. Because everything's subjective. And if I want the music to be loud, it should be loud. If I want the music to be hymns, it should be hymns. If I want the preaching to be very suit and tie, cut and dry, it should be suit and tie. If I want it to be very up in the air, it should be very up in the air. So I think a time in history right now where we're at has led to that. But I will say this, and I thought about this question before you even asked it to me. I think a big reason why we're at a place we're at today with consumeristic people in the church is because a lot of faithful and loving and well-meaning pastors have dug the hole and i think we've and i think churches have dug the hole and now we're living in it i think we've now got to a place especially in western america or western churches where we fell into the the trap of um not that there's anything wrong with leadership podcasts or anything i mean we're on a leadership podcast but you know we fell into the trap we've talked about it before where Here's five ways to grow your church. Great, yeah. make make it entertaining. Add as many options online as possible, so they can watch at their leisure. And, you know, do things that just kind of drive a consumeristic culture.
0: And I don't think any pastor. I, can, I certainly can't speak for all pastors. Right. I know myself and those that you know I am friends with, and we talk. I don't think any of us set out to create that kind Absolutely of. Absolutely not. You know, by putting options online or by no, offering no, no. multiple services, those things were never. I don't think we thought, hey, this will create a consumeristic nope. person within our church or nope. a person who just comes and consumes what's yep. offered and, and leaves. Yep. But indirectly, that's exactly what
1: happened in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and, and it sucks because you think about what, especially here at Forceport we're trying to do when we offer online services, a lot of the people who watch online are people who once attended and now moved across country True. for the Coast yeah. Guard with right. families in Indiana or whatever. And we're offering online services for the people who... Desperately want to get truth. Desperately need an encouragement on Sunday morning, but inadvertently you also attract a consumer that way. I can stay home and not go to church. Awesome. Right. I'll just turn on my TV. <laughs> right. So yeah. I, I think it's a double edged sword. But well,
0: I, but let me ask though. Let me open that up a little bit further. Let me kind of play the opposite side. What What's
1: so wrong with that? Or what's so bad with just sitting home watching it and that's right. it? I, I don't think. Let me say it this way. I don't think sitting home and watching church for the person who's not a uh, you know, move, far away, is sinful. I don't want to say that's a oh, sin. Sure. What I do want to say is one of the things about online church, if you consistently only make online church your church and you never attend in person, never regularly gather, not I'm not talking about if you're COVID cautious. If you're COVID sure, cautious, sure. whatever, stay home. I understand. Yeah, we're not talking about that. But I'm talking about the average consumer who has got used to watching online over the co- course of a pandemic and now is saying, why do I need to go to church? I'll just keep tuning in online at home. My thing to them is you can get the product online, but you cannot get the community online. And you can get the product of the church online. The product. I think that's an interesting word. You can get... Because, again, that's like a consumer... You can get the music. You can get the message. You can even fast forward the message if there's a boring part or you don't like that song, wait fast wait, forward wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Fast forward to the next song. What do you mean if there's a boring right, part? Right, I know. Like every single <laughs> second of the sermon. But you know what I mean? Some people right. might tune in, like, I can just fast forward through this. I don't have to watch this or sit to it or the giving talk. Right. And so I, I think She so just miss out on the whole
0: the Whole picture, yeah, because you just fast forward through things or skip over it, or and, and or if you
1: don't like this particular right, subject,
0: yeah. you don't listen to it. And, and I
1: think, too, and it's not a bad thing, I do it from time to time, but I, I think we're so there's so much out there now on online, even if you go to a church, there's in Elizabeth City, how many churches yeah. all close together, right. I mean, there's plenty of options to get you know uh, to find a church family, but. You know, we oftentimes see it as an entertainment show and not what it's meant to be, which is a community and a family. And I don't think if you consistently choose not to gather in person, you can get that community. You're just going to get the product. And then you're going to sit there and when something bad goes wrong in your life, you're going to have no one from the church to be there for you. Yeah. Because you've not made it a priority to build that community. And so I think that's part of how we've got here is one, history has led us here. And then I also feel like, too, we've kind of dragged ourselves here in some ways as Mm. as pastors. And I say that for me, too. I mean, in student ministry. How easy is it for me to get students to come to a fun event where we just throw colored powder at each other and we don't really have a devotion? And then how much harder is it for me to get students to come sit in a worship service, sing, listen to my message and go to small group? One's a lot more easier to promote than the other one. When you think about engaging students, yeah, and, and you know, I certainly can't
0: blame anyone but myself. But you know, I've been to many church growth conferences. I've been to leadership conferences. I've you know read all the books, kind of listened to all the podcast, and inadvertently, you know, we've been told that the numbers matter. You know, mm-hmm. how many people you have sitting in your seats on Sunday morning yeah. is somehow equal to how, uh, successful, effective you you are, are. how yeah. successful you are, how successful you are. So it's easy to fall into the um, the trap of saying, "Well, if if attendance is the most important thing, and how many butts are in the seat, if you will, then what do we got to do to get a lot of butts in the seat? Make the music yeah, fun, make, make the the music message great, engage fun. Yeah, right. And it, you're not really measuring health no. of the people. You're not really necessarily seeing are our people becoming more like Christ? Are we yeah. creating a community of love at yeah, the center? Absolutely. We're just going well, you know. I not again, you know. I, I if you would have asked me this, you know, a few years ago, I don't know that I would have uh, said it this way. But uh, I would say, well, I don't, I don't really know if they're healthy, but at least, they're, but at least, <laughs> at they're, least they're here, yeah, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, and you know, if you would have asked me that question, then you know, I if I would have answered it that way, that would have been. Um, I think it may may have really grabbed my my heart and and opened it up to go, you don't even know if they're healthy. Right. But I I wasn't thinking about it as much because I just assumed, you know, I had a conversation with um, uh, Chris Green recently and one of the things he mentioned that really grabbed me was we just assumed that people would grow, Mm -hmm. you know, if we could just get them here on Sunday morning Yeah. And keep them coming, even if it was every other week or yeah. once every month. Yeah. We just assumed that they would read Scripture and, right. and contemplate it and focus right. in on it. And that they that they would become more like Christ yeah. somehow. You <laughs> magically. <know>? Yeah, magically. <laughs> uh, now we're going, I, I don't know that that's, that's true. Yeah. Because attending church does not equal uh, growth spiritually.
1: No, it doesn't, and I think I think a lot of our mindset, at least mine, I can't speak for any other pastor in the world. Is you know, there's a more likely chance they grow spiritually if they come to church, which sure. is true. Sure, but we've also equated that with they're here, so they'll figure it out on the way. Right, and the reality is they never figured it out on the way. They needed a shepherd. Yeah, and we just said, hope you find a group. Right. <laughs> Good yeah. luck. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: I, I think <laughs> about almost all of our, you know. Uh, culture within Western, the Western culture is is geared toward making things as easy and convenient as possible Absolutely. with as many options as possible. Yep. I mean, that's you, know, you sit down at a in a restaurant, the food's cooked well. It's yeah. you've got lots of options. It's fast. We want good service. Yep. We want to get in and get out as quickly as we can. We want drive-throughs to be as fast and yep. as convenient as possible. Yep. So, you know, I don't know that being immersed in that culture, you can't help but pull that right into the church, and people yeah. think they come in, they get a 45-minute service or an hour service. Yeah. They've done their spiritual deed for the week, and they yep. move on, just like they and worked home. out for 10 minutes that day okay. or 15 minutes, or <laughs> they went through the drive-thru and picked up yep. fast food for the family. Yep. it's um, Our entire culture is consumeristic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is. and I mean, it's just like you said. It's like a, a fast food mindset. I mean, in working out, yep. uh, you come to you go to the gym once a week and work out for 30 minutes, that's great. But if the rest of your week is filled with stuff in your face with Big Macs, yeah. I mean, you're not going to see any progress. right? And I think and that's true for us too as pastors. We get so caught up in, at least I do, of being the spiritual example and being a spiritual leader and walking my faith journey almost, if I'm not careful, becomes my job mm. as a paid staff member. Yeah. So you have to learn to separate those two as a pastor, too, if any pastors are listening. Let's
0: let's go into detail a little bit about that. How how do we go about combating the consumeristic way of thinking about God and church and spiritual growth? And if you say you struggle with that yourself Mm -hmm. as a staff member, it can easily become a job, something you just do. Come in, get your job done, and go home. How do you personally, Preston, kind of work through that in your own life so that you don't fall into that that way of thinking? <clears throat> um,
1: I, I think, you know, one way off the top of my head is you just have to surround yourself with people who care enough about you to push you towards Christ. And, you know, for me, that's my wife. I mean, my mm-hmm. wife will obviously a lot of times come alongside me and say, sometimes, hey, you need a break, take a day off. Or she'll say, hey, like the way you're looking at you know your student ministry and the numbers of your student ministry is not a healthy way to look at your ministry yeah you can't be discouraged when there's low attendance and encouraged when there's high attendance that's mm. just a wave of emotions that you're going to go through so i think having people that love jesus and love you calling that out in you in a loving way in a gentle way that can encourage you to really push yourself back towards the center of why you got into ministry and i'm speaking for pastors yeah. you know and for the regular person listening, what really drew you to Jesus in the first place? Going back to a childlike wonder, a childlike faith that we talked about in our previous series. Um, you know, I think a lot of that helps. I also think, you know, taking time, and for some people, it's Tuesdays, some people's it's Fridays. You know for me, it's Saturdays where like nothing's on my plate. There's nothing on my plate today. I'm not going anywhere, I'm not going to church to catch up on stuff, I'm not preparing for Sunday, I'm taking this day for me, Mm -hmm. I'm taking this day to be somewhat alone, whether that's alone by myself or alone with my wife, and I'm just focusing in. On my faith and focusing in on what I need to be as a person, you know, one of the things um, I'm talking about this Sunday, bringing the message is personal purpose. And one of my points is, and this isn't a spoil spoiler because this won't be out in time for Sunday. But my, one of my points is, you know, God's will and your purpose for your life is not is oftentimes not oftentimes your personal purpose for your life is more about who you become than what you do. And so that's and that is
0: the opposite of almost every single thing we hear within our culture. Yeah, absolutely. And Everything is about what you do. Yeah, the size of your house, yep. the kind of
1: truck or car
0: you drive, yep. the clothes you wear, the body image.
1: Yep. How much is in your bank account? Right. You now, how many people did you come get to go to student life camp, and how many got saved, and how many got baptized? And, right. You know, even numbers, the church, numbers, 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 right. and you know, is your wife happy? Are you fulfilled? If not, get out of your marriage. You know, I just think. When we talk about personal purpose, so many times, especially when students come to me, especially seniors, they'll be like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. What's my purpose? And they'll say, should I go to this college? Should I not go to college? Should I keep dating this person? Should I not date this person? I'm just like, it's not always about what you're supposed to be doing. It's about the kind of man and woman God wants you to become. Hmm. Because if you start there, out of that overflow, answers will come. But oftentimes we want God to give us the quick fix. Should I go here? No. Okay, cool. I'll go here instead. Thank you right but god's more interested in the man and woman you're becoming than the activity you're pursuing so because if you fix your identity the activity will follow and i think a big part of consumeristic culture is stopping the activity stopping the what should i do next should i buy a boat should, you know yeah. should i do this and really focusing in on what kind of man am i becoming what kind of habits have i formed over the last year that are unhealthy and healthy yeah and what should i cut out and what should i pour some fertilizer on yeah so well, all of that is, is intentionality.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're really thinking through, who am I actually becoming? Yeah. And that would would be going against the flow and the grain of our current <laughs> culture. Yeah. Because everything is about what you accomplish, yep. and the numbers. And we've pulled that right into the church. We have. We have.
1: I mean, and I have too. So, I mean, yeah. when I talk about it in a generic way to people listening, I'm talking about myself too. I mean, I've pulled that into my oh, student sure. ministry. Sure. Yeah, I've been guilty of it many times. Well,
0: that was that was kind of the the whole point of part one yeah. in the series "How to Kill the Church." It's yeah. just fill it full of people who just consume and and walk out the door and leave the tip maybe on the way out if if the service was good. <laughs> if you know, not, it's a little you know, it's a little uh, facetious, but still the, the the heart of it is is true. And then we moved into part two. Which we wrapped it up because we didn't want (laughs) to go any
1: more than two weeks,
0: and we explored uh, one other poison I see infiltrating the church, and that is cynicism. Yeah. So consumerism, part one, and cynicism, part two. Yeah. So if you want to fill, if you want to kill the church, fill it full of cynics. Yeah, absolutely. So let me. I was actually surprised when when I began to to get into this message and talking with people. Prior to the message, and uh-huh. told him we were going to be talking about cynicism. How few people could actually define a cynic? Yeah, absolutely. They weren't even sure what a cynic is. Yeah, they were absolutely. saying, uh, fill it full of cynics? What, what, what is that? Yeah. So let me ask you, kind of define for me a little bit yeah. what a cynic is.
1: Yeah, so, and, and this is a subjective thing. I'm not pulling this from Webster's Dictionary by any means, but um, you talked about it a little bit in your message. But in my opinion, a cynic is a person who, and I'm going to use an analogy, mm-hmm. you're building a Lego tower, a cynic comes along and kicks it, breaks it down and then simply walks away Hmm. and says, you know, that was wrong, fix it. Hmm. And to me, that's where cynic and a critical thinker go different ways. Because you've talked about that. You said in your message Sunday, you said, we're not talking about people who see something and want to critically think and want to help and want to do this. You know, we need need critical thinkers in the church. We need people with a sharp mind and sharp eye to look at what we're doing and say, that may not be working the way you're hoping it's going to work. The difference is the Senate comes along and tears down your tower and walks away to leave you sitting there on your own. A critical thinker comes along and says, hey, let's tear down your tower together and let's build it back up together. So there's a purpose behind the tearing of things down. Yeah, absolutely. And it is to
0: build something better.
1: Yeah, and and in reality, if you take that analogy even further too, like... A critical thinker doesn't come in and tear down your entire tower. They're just replacing bricks. Mm-hmm. A critical thinker says there's still hope in what you're doing. They're still right. good about what you're doing. Yeah. A cynic comes in and says this is a mess. Nothing's good. Tear it down and fix it. Right. And do it the way I want to do it. Right. Because if you fix it and it's not the way I want to do it, I'm gonna tear it down again. Yeah. And this is you know an analogy. This is not a sure literal thing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know you're right. And
0: it's 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 a cynic is a person who is always you know kind of. Looking at what a person is doing and second guessing why they did it, yeah. the motives behind why. Yeah, uh, they're very critical of other people's success. They always assume that you, you were probably successful because you you cheated the system somehow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, uh
0: You, you're motivated by selfishness. Yeah. You're motivated by you know inauthenticity. All yeah. these different things. A cynic just always has this sense of nobody can be trusted. Yeah everybody's out for number one. Yeah. And they're just negative about everybody else around them. A cynic would look at someone driving a nice car and say, hmm, I wonder who they slept with to get the car. Or I wonder who they uh, stepped on in order to get promoted so they could have that nice car. It's always that sense of just negativity floating in the background. And it's embarrassing to admit, but a lot of churches are filled with cynics. Yeah.
1: And for good reason. When you talk about the scandals that we've seen over the past year, you know, with Carl Lentz and Robbie Zacharias, and you know, Perry Noble and Mark Driscoll, and uh, you know, Bill Hybels, and all these stuff we've seen over the past however many years, and you know, there's a reason somewhat to be cynical. It's like I um I want to read it because I I want to make sure I get the statistic right because I don't want to have to go back and edit this out. But like I sent you guys (laughs) the graphic last night says uh, about students um, between family. The the groups were family, friends and peers, religious leaders and texts, and social media. And they asked Christian and non-Christian teens, which one of these do you look for first when it comes to answers and meaning of life? When you have a problem, who do you go to first? Family was first, friends and peers were second, social media was third, and religious leaders and texts were last. Christians said they went to religious leaders and, Christian teens say, I went to religious leaders and teens first. When I had questions about my life and influences, hmm. which is dead last, which is like eight yep. percent. So there is somewhat of a movement, especially in Generation wow. Z today. Of uh, if I have problems, the last place I'm looking for answers is the church and my pastor. Yeah, and
0: so it, it it's
1: almost like people today aren't walking away from the church; they're running away from. They're the church. running away for sure. Absolutely, well, that's I've, tragic. I see that, and all we've the time. done that. Yeah, we've absolutely. That. it's not just blaming those running away. No, it it's definitely played a part in the big c church and the local churches as well i mean i've seen it a lot and like my story is so much different than yours and i didn't grow up in church and you have a lot of that experience growing up as a child i had none of it but even when i got into the church at 14 for the first time you know between 14 and now 27 13 years in the church i mean i've seen it not enough for a lifetime for me personally i'd like to see no more but (laughs) but you know that that even in in a short time in the church you know i've seen plenty of it but with cynicism i think that the thing that's so ironic is that talking about cynicism we have two cynics sitting at the table both of us are a cynical person
0: yeah i spent the first part of the (laughs) second message just saying how much of a cynic i am yeah and and i am i i have it's embarrassing to admit it but it's true i i have a tendency to second guess people's motives and as a pastor that's especially challenging yeah because you know as a shepherd you're supposed to you know, trust and love and assume the best. And but, be unconditional, yeah. Yeah, but I have a tendency to always second guess. And and we got into why that is. Yeah. And, and that is, I read a quote, I don't have the quote in front of me, but I read a quote uh, about people who are cynical are also wounded. Absolutely. And one of the reasons why they're cynical is because they have these unhealed wounds on the inside and they've created yeah. this defense mechanism yeah. to stop people from hurting them again. Yeah. And I know that's true of me.
1: Yeah, it's true of me too. And I think a lot of pastors, if they were honest with themselves, would say they're somewhat cynical because just as much as a, a, a tender has a reason to be cynical towards the church and pastors, pastors have a lot of reason to be cynical towards their members.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's a good point.
1: And I think it's a two-way street. Yeah. Both give each other a lot of ammunition because guess what? The church is full of imperfect, broken yeah. people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's, I don't know, people come into the church, I've seen it here at, at Forest Park for, you know, for years. They, they come in assuming that, you know, behind the scenes, everybody loves one another all the time and everybody's kind and, and We sing gentle. kumbaya there yeah, in our lunch every, Yeah, exactly. And everything is just beautiful behind the scenes. Well, you know, it's not that it's ugly behind the scenes, no. but it's filled with real people.
1: Yeah.
0: And people have mood swings and yep. people get their feelings hurt. Yep. And we are imperfect leaders and we say yep. things that maybe we shouldn't say. and We have to make apologies. We have to apologize and... You know, it doesn't mean that every single thing that we we believe or teach is perfect. We're, we're trying oh to learn and grow and stretch. Yeah. And, you know, who I am today is not who I was 10 years ago. And hopefully I'm better today in some yeah. areas. And there's other areas of my life that is still wounded and I'm yeah. still dealing with them. And yeah. there's been areas of my life, and I'm sure your own and others who, who we have... Scars because those scars have been healed, yeah. But we still have some other things that are not yet healed and they're very yeah. sensitive. And if you step on them or you yeah. get close to them, and and people get um, their idolatry of, of church and this image gets shattered, yeah. And they become cynical yeah. rather than going, Hey, you know what? The church is filled with imperfect people, I'm an imperfect person, the pastor's imperfect, they just become very cynical. And I have done the same thing. I've become cynical.
1: You know what is so funny to me, though? And this is kind of like a a funny way of of talking about cynicism. But like, and this is maybe just my personal experience. It may not be anyone's experience except my own. But when it comes to cynicism in the church, what's so ironic about the cynics that I somewhat know about or hear about is that the cynics who have complaints about student ministry or about the music or about Forest Park in general, I always hear their complaints secondhand. Hmm. Like I never really ever hear it from them directly. Hmm. I always hear it through social media or I hear it through somebody who's had coffee with them yeah. and said, hey, this yeah. person has real concerns and is upset about this, this, and this. Right. It's just ironic to me that a lot of cynics today, and I kind of do this too, that have so much anger or distrust or issue with something you or I or anyone at Forest Park is doing, never go to them yeah. about their issues and complaints and try to figure out, I really had an issue with what you said last week, Pastor Scott. Yeah. Like, I want to talk to you about why I think that was wrong. Right. and and talk to you through this, this issue. They just go to other people.
0: You know, throughout the years, I've had people who have done that. And typically it turns out wonderfully. Absolutely. Because we sit down and we talk it through and either I said something that wasn't clear. Right. And then when I explain it, it's like, oh, okay, I, I thought you meant this. Yeah. Or I was wrong. And I've corrected that. Yeah. And I've said, you know what? You're right. I didn't think about this passage or this way of, mm-hmm. of it coming across in, in the sermon. And I'll make yeah. a change in that. Or that person says, you know what? I, I was wrong. Yeah. And we work through that. Yeah. But when you, you know, a true cynic has a tendency to throw the rock from a long distance. A long distance. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, you rarely get a chance to sit down with that person and, and have a friendly, loving conversation.
1: You it's know, so and, funny how many people through. I think just have no idea how, and not that we're looking intentionally at their profiles on Facebook or Instagram, but just how much they forget sometimes that pastors are on social media too. Right. And when yeah. they post something yeah. about the the church or when they left the church and now they're posting about us afterwards, it's like yeah. I still see your post, dude. Yeah. What do you mean? You think I do not see this? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. and we can all become guilty of that. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Pastors
0: can do the same thing. Try to throw a rock. From a long distance away with a media, social media Pastors are more
1: apt to cover their rocks in Jesus, Jukes, and Bible verses, unfortunately. Yeah, we're all guilty of that.
0: So, you know, even in in, in working through this message and kind of processing this and writing it through, I had to come to some of my own Mm -hmm. areas that needed repentance of being cynical and have to deal with it. And I realized that... When you meet a cynical person, and I'm putting myself right at the center, yep. you are meeting an, a hurting, unhealed, wounded person. Now, that right. doesn't mean that in every area of their life they're hurting or no. wounded. But in certain areas of their life, they're hurting, they're wounded, they're yep. unhealed, and it's where the cynicism is coming from. Yeah. And you know we say this a lot around Forest Park, hurting people hurt people. Yep. Hurting people throw rocks. Yep. Hurting people call names. Yep. Hurting people accuse. Hurting yep. people lie. Hurting yep. people quit. Hurting people run. Hurting people kill churches. Yep. So what we wanted, we were we wrapped up the message by just saying, we need to be healed. Yeah. And we need to bring our pain and our disappointment and our discouragement and and all these things that have caused us to be so cynical. And it doesn't mean that you know some of us have become cynical over genuine hurt uh, yeah yeah genuine offense. Absolutely. people have wounded us lied about us lied to us mm-hmm. uh betrayed us uh talked about us yep. or or we're carrying wounds from our childhood yeah. our parents divorced or our father betrayed us or yep. whatever it, it doesn't really matter the reason it, the the solution is the same and that is bringing those wounds to the only one who can truly heal it and it ain't us and it ain't us. That's exactly right. It ain't us because I, I certainly can't take all the wounds from people and somehow heal no. those wounds. I got my own. Absolutely. So you know, I told someone the other day. I think it was Sunday, or we were walking out, and in, uh, in we were in the lobby walking out, and I, I reminded them something I have to remember all the time is we need to hear the gospel every day because we forget it every day. We do. So. You can never hear the gospel enough mm-hmm. because we forget it, and we're we're immersed within a culture that helps us forget it real easily. Yeah, and we live in a culture of judgment and accusations and condemnation, and cancel, and culture. cancel culture and cancel culture. Exactly yeah. right. That's a that's a great point. So rather than grace and mercy and healing and and conversations and family and we live in a culture of cynicism and consumerism, yeah. and pushing people away and accusing and and all those things and I have fallen into that trap many times it's a sin it is and I have sinned in that area many
1: times and I I think the 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 key turning point for a lot of cynics and and I'll just take the word cynic out of it a lot of wounded people is the ability to come face to face with themselves in the mirror and say I am a cynic I am a wounded person and I need healing you think about Jesus miracles people came to them and they didn't say I'm just a little hurt. Like, can you yeah. just bandage it up? I can get the rest of it when I get home. Yeah. They didn't come to him and say, "Actually, I'm pretty well off right now." Right. Can you just kind of give me a little bit more than what I have? Yeah. Every person Jesus healed came to him and said, "I've tried everything David I can, desperate. dude. I've tried everything yeah. I can, but I can't find an answer."
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great way of uh, of explaining it because virtually all, if not every single miracle that you know that took place. The person or the group of people were desperate. Absolutely. I mean, when when you, when Jesus healed someone who was blind, it, it was a <laughs> pair of glasses wasn't going to fix it. Yeah, you no. know, <laughs> new contact lenses, <laughs> you know, wouldn't fix it. This person could not see. Yeah, it was it was over. They were yeah. desperate. A person who's dead
1: is yeah. dead. They can't
0: desperation. Uh, you know, a person who. You know, has uh, no leg or no arm. Or paralyzed. Paralyzed, exactly. Someone had to carry them because they couldn't get to where they were going. Every person had got to a place or or was at a place where they were completely desperate and out of options. Yeah. We, we, within the church, we leaders and and those of us who profess to follow Christ must become desperate. Yeah. And it's not about, you know, making people desperate by, you know, telling them how horrible they are and how terrible they are. <laughs> yeah, right. I think we know, if we would just admit it, if we would just get to the place that we go, you know what, I can't fix myself. Yeah. You know, I can I can comb my hair or cut my <laughs> hair or <laughs> dye my hair. Right. I can lose weight or yeah. work out. I can change clothes. I can get a tan. Yeah. I can do whatever to yeah. make the outside of me look better yeah. or more presentable. Yeah. I can buy a new car. I can move into a new house. But I cannot fix the father wounds inside of me. I cannot deal with what yeah. happened to me a few years ago and when I was betrayed. Or my spouse who had an affair on me and broke my heart and broke yeah, my future. Or, or the job that let me go and right. I wasn't expecting it. Right. I cannot do anything about these things. So right. we can either become cynical yeah. and, and, and nurse that wound.
1: Yeah.
0: Or we can bring that wound to Christ yeah. and say, here I am. And yeah. there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. I need to be
1: healed. And I think, too, one of the things we have to understand, and we, I include myself in that, is in a culture today that has 8 million different options on how to fix yourself, yeah. we have to believe and trust that true, consistent, eternal healing only comes from Christ. Yeah, It only comes from Christ. Yeah. You can get good counseling. You can... You know, lose weight. You can do this and that to fix your insecurities. You can post about how great your life is on Instagram, even while it's falling apart. Hoping one day you believe it to yourself. Yeah. But true, eternal, consistent healing in your life comes from Christ and Christ alone. Yeah. And that's what I found.
0: Yeah. And our our culture, you know, constantly holds up those who look as if they've got everything together. Like (laughs) you said, you know that posted on the Instagram, and you're kind of you know, trying to give people the impression that your life is filled with joy and your your life. And we see other people
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and we, we assume that they are happy because of the image that they have. And it only only makes us feel worse about ourselves and guilty. And I'll just tell you this, you know, those listening as a pastor, you know, I get a, a front row seat to, 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 to the backroom reality of Mm. people's lives. And you cannot judge someone based on what you see on social media. Yeah. I have sat down with many people and it appears on social media that their life is great.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean they are nice looking, they have great jobs, they nice they, house. Yeah, nice house. They seem to have everything that so many other people I talk with wish they had. <laughs> and if I could only live there, or right. I could only be married to him or her, or if I had yeah. kids like them, yeah. or you know, I had a job like, you know, her, whatever. But then you sit down and talk and you realize that there's a lot of things falling apart on the on the inside of these 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 people's lives. Yeah. You know, never assume that what is projected, you know, on social media or what what appears to be true when they go to church. Yeah. I've seen people as soon as they walk into the auditorium, <laughs> their hands are up and they're worshiping and, the the soon God they walk and out. they're crying. Yeah. But they are filled with doubt yeah. and insecurity yeah. and they don't have a lot of faith and we're just, you mean, there's a lot of wounded people in our world. There is. And, and we have learned within our culture how to fake it and, and how to put the paint on and yep. and how to prop up the image. Yep. But the reality is we, we are very wounded people, and we need
1: healing. Yeah, we do. And as a country, we need healing. And yeah. it starts with an admission of us having broken legs and yeah. being broken. And that's the part that's so like in my meetings with students I'll just speak with students and you know I have a lot of students who come in and they'll tell you within one of the first two or three times you talk to them privately like my life's falling apart like my mom's doing this my school's doing this I'm depressed blah 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 blah. and a lot of the times I create real good connections with those kids but I also have a lot of kids that come here for years and I can barely get anything out of them every time I ask them my life's great love school love my family love my job I love that I'm going to this college even though if they were honest with me they actually don't want to go to that college their parents Mm -hmm. are just forcing them to go there Mm -hmm. so because I know that aren't you amazed at how much
0: pressure 13, 14, 15 year olds are under today
1: yeah unfortunately it's just going to keep getting worse I mean and the reality is I think that's why the gospel message is so needed for students today because Jesus comes to them and says my yoke is easy my burden is light and yeah. he comes to him and says, there is no pressure. Anymore. So if there is ever
0: a time students need to hear the gospel, <laughs> yeah. they need more than games. Oh, they need they more need than more games. Than, I mean, all that's important. Oh, to connect it and friendship. But that is not going to change their no. life and fix those wounds. I mean, I'm, I'm just blown away by the 12-year-olds and yeah. 13-year-olds that are carrying deep wounds yeah. already in their life and the pressure of broken families yeah. and... There you know is. all the different things that are going on.
1: I've yeah, I've seen it time and time again. Even when I worked for the school system system for a little bit, kids who come in and their school lunch is their only meal, and kids that go home to drug induced environments, and yeah. it's just like, how am I supposed to speak life into a, a person's life where ninety nine percent of it outside of this moment is dark and gloomy? Yeah. And, and sometimes you only see that, that student once a month. Yeah, absolutely. Especially twice. here at Next One, we meet yeah. only twice a month. I mean, if you miss two Next Nights, I don't see you for a month. Yeah. And so it's tough. But with wow. cynicism, I mean, I think a lot of cynics have to get to the place that I've gotten to and you've gotten to over the past couple of years. It's we have to be able to say that we are cynical, yeah. because I meet so many cynical people, and I ask, them, like, "Why are you so cynical?" I'm not cynical. I'm just telling uh, you something needs to be fixed. Yeah, you're right. I remember in the message we
0: actually said <laughs> that rarely ever does a cynic admit they're cynical yeah. when you ask them. Yeah. You know, most everyone go, "No, I'm just critical." Yeah, I'm or a I, realist. I have, right, I'm a realist. <laughs> or I,
1: I just have strong opinions. Yeah. yeah,
0: and and that may be true of some people, but yeah. a lot of times. We're cynics, and <laughs> yeah. we don't want to
1: admit it. And we, it. if we want to be healed from it, we have yeah. to admit it. Yeah. We have to name it. We got to quit making excuses. Yeah. For it. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, let me ask you just one more
0: question, and we'll, we'll wrap this time up. What what, 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 what's your advice to the, you know, to the person out there right now who who is immersed in a consumeristic way of thinking, and they they judge their church or they judge, you know, the the, the people they're hanging around with church all about how hmm. that church can meet their needs it's all yeah. about consuming or the person who's just a cynic and and, and and they feel like they're a cynic for good reasons
1: yeah absolutely you know
0: so what would you say to that those people out there who you know aren't moving right now yet toward healing and, and wholeness but they're kind of stuck where they are what's maybe a first step for them
1: um commitment okay a long-term commitment to the church and to a body i think Both things you just talked about, consumerism and cynicism, play into an aspect of if something happens where I'm unhappy or it's not my way, the perfect way I expect it to be, I'm out. Hmm. I'm out. I'll go down the street. Fountain Life has a great program. New Community has a great program. And I'm not saying they don't. I love New Community. I love Fountain Life. But the reality is eventually I think with a society that says whenever something goes wrong or whenever someone maybe says or does something unintentionally or intentionally that hurts your feelings it's a toxic environment get Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. go somewhere else and I think we have to understand that what one church does great and you love the other church that does you want to go to may not have that Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying find a church that has nine out of ten across the board on everything but what I am saying is Every church is an imperfect community, yeah. so that means come in with a heart ready to to not only see imperfect people and imperfect programs, but come in with a heart that says, how can I give? And I'm not talking about financially. I'm saying, how can I come in and give my talents, my abilities to the church, and how can I start to get plugged in and commit? Because I feel like the more you plug in and commit, the more you go deeper, the more you stay strong, even when we have staff turnover, even when we have things go wrong, even when we can't go to Ecuador for two years in a row and you love Ecuador, commit, stay, invest, because we need them. Everybody in those seats, as I can speak for me as a pastor here at Forest Park, everyone in the seat on Sunday morning is someone I feel like we desperately need to be a part of Forest Park. Yeah. There's not one person sitting there that I say, we don't need them. Right. Everybody has so much value, so much you know ability, so many yeah. gifts that we need here. And so I think commitment—they have to start committing. And you know what I sit, Yeah, when I sit
0: down and talk with uh, someone privately, maybe they have come in for counseling, or they just come in because they have a few questions, or they're going through a you know marital problem, or, or a, a, an issue with their child, or, or whatever. I'm I'm amazed at how many skills they have, and talents yeah. they have, and abilities they have that nobody else knows about
1: mm-hmm. because,
0: you know, they see themselves as struggling with X, Y, or Z in their life. So they just kind of keep those things dormant. They don't, they don't bring them into the church. And I think, oh my goodness, this person could be so amazingly effective here with oh, yeah. this body if, if they would just continue on in the process of healing and and not quit. Say yes. And, and, yeah, say yes and, and get in here. and there's people who understand technology and computers, and there's people who might not be able to sing, but they can run a soundboard, or they can operate a camera. They might not be able to play an instrument, but they can love kids like unbelievable. They can fix things, repair things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think God gives everything to a local body that the local body needs if if, if the folks would just accept the fact that they're imperfect, and it's okay to be imperfect, and we've all got issues, But let's all carry these issues together, work on these issues together, and not become cynical, don't have a consumeristic mindset, have a committed attitude, and let's do this thing together. We we could accomplish incredible things.
1: I think for the consumer, you got to come in and say, regardless of what's offered or not offered, or how good it is, I'm committed here. And for the Senate coming in and saying, they just continue to make mistakes, they continue to do things wrong, they have too much staff problems, or they have logistics I don't agree with, commit anyway. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're a family. We say that at FPC, we say it at next all yep. the time. And families don't give up on each other. That's right.
0: That's great. All right, man. Well, that uh, I, I love the conversation. Love the whole idea of, of working through both of these um, ugly attitudes, consumerism, and, and, and cynicism. So we're going to keep working on it and keep yep. moving forward and, and learn um, and lay our own cynicism. Yep. Down and and experience our own healing, right? As leaders and pastors, so thank you for your time. Yeah, man, yeah, I loved having you here. And uh, those of you who are uh, listening, if you haven't heard both messages, they're available on our YouTube channel. If you want to check them out, and I'd love to have your your feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, suggestions. I read everything and love to know what you're thinking. So, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Holy Shift Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider letting us know. I read every comment, suggestion, or question. Also, if you like it, give us a positive review. Take care, and we'll be back soon.